to. Obviously, Christmas is coming. But I thought I'd take a different look at Christmas this morning from Luke chapter 2. Have you ever missed a great opportunity? Can you ever think of a time when you had a great opportunity, you didn't know it until after it had gone by? The story is told of a small resort area in the east coast of, of the United States was having an open town meeting concerning some financial problems they were facing. Among the two dozen or so people uh, that turned up for the meeting, there was one man who no one seemed to know. He just was apparently visiting the area and he dropped into the meeting. And he started, <coughs> started to make some comments on various things in the meeting, but they shut him down and they just, you know, they considered he was interrupting. They just said, you know, you don't even know this stuff, be quiet. So for the rest of the time he kept still and finally he left early. And just as he went out, someone arrived late saying, um, breathlessly, what was he doing here? Is he going to help us out? And they said, what are you talking about? They, they said, who was that man? They said, the person, who, the person who just arrived said, that guy that was in here, that was John D. Rockefeller, the richest man in the world. An incredible opportunity that the town missed because they never recognized who he was. They didn't know who he was. He was just some guy. And I think Christmas is a great opportunity that many people are going to miss because they don't recognize who Jesus is. They don't even know, that, you know, Christmas is a festival, but it's got no meaning beyond that. We don't want to be like those guys. You know, right here in Australia in 2022, I think a lot of people will miss Christmas. I mean, you won't miss it. It's out there. You've got sales and everything. I, I still think sale is a demonic word. You know, you should remove that word terrible word but you've got sales and all this sort of stuff you've got you know family things but I think people will miss the real meaning of Christmas because they don't recognize him so I want to have a look at the Christmas story afresh in Luke chapter 2 and I want to ask the question who missed Christmas and why so open your Bible to that if you've got the app it's on on the app as well let's pray together Lord I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we look at that first Christmas, we figured out who missed it and why. And Lord, I pray that we will not miss the real meaning of Christmas. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2. Now, the first person to miss Christmas was Caesar. It really was. Caesar Augustus. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went down to be registered each to his own town. Goodness me, who'd have thought that governments would want to control people's movement, who they see, where they can go and how they can live? Who'd have thought that? It's not, not really that new, is it? So Caesar Augustus, the, the, the most powerful man in the world at that time, he missed Christmas. He didn't even know what was going on because he had no room in his heart. He was busy being rich and powerful and simply distracted by what he, the life he was living. So Caesar missed Christmas. The second guy to miss Christmas was the innkeeper. If you look at verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to, Jude, uh, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered. There's that word again. Government's control, don't they? I'll get off that bandwagon in a minute. Uh, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with, with child. <coughs> and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. There was no place at the inn. The innkeeper 
had no place for the birth of Jesus. So he missed Christmas as well. I mean, Christmas was literally at his door. <coughs> but he missed it. He looked out, he saw a pregnant woman, and, and, and he thought, oh, there's no room for them. I mean, think of... It's sort of a little bit mean, isn't it? I mean, Christmas was probably peak time or something for, for holiday places. But, you know, you, look, you see a pregnant woman. Surely we could have rolled a, you know, a mat on a floor or something for her. If she's heavily pregnant. It's a, it's a little, don't you think it's a little bit weird? But I think he was just... He wasn't a bad guy. He was just concentrating on what he was concentrating on, which was his business. He didn't care enough. So he missed Christmas. I mean... <coughs> Maybe, didn't he know anybody else who could help? I mean, think about it. Surely his wife would have looked out and said, oh, you need to be nice to this lady. She's about to give birth. But no. And, and I think this was foreshadowing what would come later on. You know, the, the, the prophet said that Je the Savior, Jesus, would be despised and rejected. It seems to, to have happened right at his birth. Right at the start, he was already rejected. There's no room for you, Jesus, but hey, there's a nice smelly stable over here. Why don't you try there? So... Whatever that stable was, and we don't really know about it, it was probably not the cleanest place to have a child. Can you imagine having a child in a stable? Have you smelt a stable? It's not good. It would have been full of <coughs> animals, their droppings, probably filled with smoke because uh, Joseph would have built a fire to keep him and Mary warm. It's not a place to have a baby. So there's no maternity hospitals, no midwives, just animals and poo. That was it. And so that was the place. And the innkeeper, he, he just fobbed him off and said, oh, go, go try the stables next door. He was probably, I mean, think about it from his point of view. He was probably pretty busy. Uh, he had probably dirty dishes to do or, you know, mud on the tile floor or number three, has number three used anything from the minibar? You know, he was worried about what, people, what was going on. Maybe the guys upstairs wanted, wanted more blankets and another wineskin. He wasn't an evil man. He wasn't loving or unsympathetic, really. He wasn't angry or belligerent. He was just indifferent. He was just too busy. The innkeeper had business to take care of. You know, you think about it. How many of us right now are so busy? Put your hand up if you're busy at the moment. Yes. It's a very busy time. And for this guy, life was just too busy to bother with a poor family who'd arrived in Bethlehem late. So let me ask you the question, how busy are you? at the, Are you like the innkeeper, just so busy doing stuff and doing life that you haven't got any room for the Lord, haven't got any room for Jesus, haven't got any room for the real message of Christmas? Have you spent more time shopping or decorating or baking than you have loving and serving others? Have you spent more money on Christmas stuff than you've invested in the kingdom of God? I'll move right along too. Have you given more of your time and energy in the pursuit of, of life and building relationships and that sort of stuff than you've given to the Lord? I think most of us would say, yes, we get too busy. Is that right? Yeah, we should be Christians. means Christ wants. We, we have to make sure that we are not too busy for Christmas and not too busy for each other. You know, I'm a pretty busy guy, as you probably know. And, and sometimes my wife gets so frustrated. I remember one time years ago, she called my optometry office and booked an appointment to see me. And I cancelled it because I had an emergency. <laughs> so this is not good, you know. You give time to the things that are important to you. I have repented of that, I might just say. <coughs> 
The third person who missed Christmas was King Herod. See, King Herod saw the, the birth of Jesus as a threat, a potential threat to his power base. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, keep your finger there and look, go over to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, the wise men asked, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. <coughs> when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and the assembly, he assembled all of the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them as to where the Christ was to be born. Now Herod wasn't ignorant. He was powerful and he was greedy and he was a bit nasty, but he wasn't ignorant. He knew that the prophecies... And he got all his team together and said, tell me about these prophecies about this child. And I, what, what, why did Herod miss Christmas? I reckon fear. He was fearful of, of the impact this baby would have on his, on his power base. And he wasn't about to let some kid, some random kid born in a stable somewhere, affect his, his lifestyle and his place and his position. So, and don't we see that today? You know, stores and businesses everywhere are afraid. I think stores are saying, we're afraid of putting out a nativity scene in case it offends people and we might lose some customers. They're saying that we can't say Merry Christmas in case we offend a Muslim or an atheist. People today are just as afraid of what Jesus might do in, in their lives and their businesses. They're just like Herod. We're afraid to do something because of the impact that this, the birth of this little baby might have. Herod loved being king. This was Herod the Great. He loved being king. Um, he wasn't going to let any of his sons stand in the way of his regime, let alone some random baby down in Bethlehem. But I if Jesus came as a wise man and as an advisor, Herod would have met with him in the hope that he could have gained some knowledge to help him rule. But Jesus didn't come that way, so Herod, he just wanted to get rid of him. And haven't you seen that? People who say, well, Jesus is a nice spiritual friend to have. You know, he's a good man, a good teacher, someone with wise counsel. You know, and they treat Jesus as just another part of their life. He fits in a little compartment. You know, you keep Jesus locked away and you pull him out every Christmas, Easter and some Sundays when the football's not on. And, and so we say, there's Jesus. You know, we worship him, then we put him away again. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords but he wants a relationship with you he's not here to 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 be stuck on a steeple somewhere or to have uh you know some church dedicated in his name he wants to have a relationship with you that's the wonder of christmas that god sent his only son to die for us to have a relationship with us too many people have the same attitude that Herod had. They want to be kings of their own little kingdom. What about you? Do you want to be king of your kingdom? Is that where you're at? You say, I just, as long as I'm in control of everything, I'm fine. Well, listen, there was a baby born and the world is full of Herods who cry out, we will not have this man rule over us. We want to rule ourselves. But that baby flies in the face of that because it's God's gift. Herod missed Christmas because he feared what King Jesus would mean for the, whole, uh, for the life that he enjoyed. And there's so many Herods today who refuse to bow to Jesus because he might impinge on the lifestyle they have. But look at your life. Is it worth it? People say, I don't want to become a Christian because I'll have to give up all the stuff I enjoy. 
what well, you know what is it that you enjoy you need to give up is it is it drugs is it sleeping around is it booze i mean what is it listen i don't give up my garbage i throw it away that stuff's not worth anything if you think sin is fun try holiness it's awesome because you never have to look over your shoulder and God, you know the God of all creation and your life prospers. I tell you, it is well worth it. You don't need the other stuff. So this king, King Herod, hatched a plan to have the wise men lead him to the baby so as to kill him. But the wise men didn't do as they requested. In verse 12 of Matthew 2, it says, Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Herod tried to kill off Christmas right at the start. He thought, if I can kill that baby, we'll be done with it, and this will be fine. And, you know, we live in a world that is trying to kill off Christmas right now. Have you noticed it? Christmas and Easter, the holiest holidays to Christians, have been commercialized for a start <coughs> to be only about Santa Claus and bunny rabbits instead of a risen saviour. They take our rainbow and give it to gay rights. They take our Christian holidays and dilute them down with secular themes. And now they want to forbid us celebrating Christmas. It's true meaning and its origin. Thank God for people like Paul West who go out there and put up all of those lights to show people the true meaning of Christmas. They try to shut us down. They are trying to kill off Christmas. Why is it? If you ever ask yourself, think about it. Why is it that governments and media and people in general these days are trying to ban Christmas? They like the holiday, but they don't want the gift of Jesus. They don't want eternal salvation, but they like a day off. They seem intent on destroying everything, everything that they can, destroying Christmas in the name of inclusion. No longer are they content to convert Christ to an X and call it Xmas. Did that irritate you? That's old hat. They're trying to shut the whole place down now. They're not just trying to change a letter. It's gone way beyond that. They want to ban Christmas altogether. We must be sensitive to Muslims and Hindus and atheists, and we must be inclusive of anyone who might be vaguely offended that we have a faith at all. In modern Australian society, we have to be inclusive of everyone except Christians. We don't count. Our beliefs and traditions don't count. Now, notice... Have you heard of a push to ban Deepavali? Deepavali is a Hindu holy day. Have you heard of a push to ban that? No. How about Hanukkah? No. How about Ramadan? No one's pushing to cancel Ramadan. Why are they pushing to cancel Christmas? Because they're scared of us, yeah. Thank you so much. You see, those religious festivals of the other religions, they don't offend people the way... The, the woke generation, the way Christmas does and the way Easter does. So they try and make us say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. I, for one, am saying Merry Christmas. I hope you are too. I'm offended by this. Let me play the cultural card. I'm sick of hearing of people saying, it's my culture, it's my background, you can't say anything, it's my culture, it's my tradition. Well, listen, my parents and their parents and their parents celebrated Christmas. That's my tradition. Don't take that away from me. But, you know, in our culture, Christians don't count. The woke brigade attack no other religious holiday like Christmas. Listen to this. In Victoria recently, anybody here from Victoria? God bless you. We'll set you free from that, Matt. You know we will. 
in the People's Republic of Victoria recently, the Andrews government education minister, James Molino, issued a dictate banning the singing of Christmas carols in public schools. Did you know that? So you're not allowed to sing Christmas carols in public schools. Anti-discrimination says that we cannot dare say anything against Muslim, Hindus, LGBT, alphabet soups, transgender, anything like that, or their traditions, or their beliefs, but you can attack Christians. Why? Because they see us as a threat. They see us as a threat. But we're not coming to threaten people. We're coming to bring life and hope. And boy, do we need an ounce or two of that in our world these days. There's a world out there that's devoid of hope. And we have the answer, so they try and shut us down. You know why? Because fearful people go along with them. But people who know the Word of God stand up for what is right. And that needs to be us. But people don't realize that without the first Christmas, we're all destined for hell. They attack Christians as the source of prejudice in the world. Have you ever been said that? Have been told that? Oh, Christians are so, they're so prejudiced. Really? You know, because we don't agree with every harebrained scheme that any minor group can, can bring up, you know. We just stand on the word of God. They cite the, this one I really like. What about the Crusades? Have you heard that one? They take, what about the Crusades? So they cite the Crusades as an example of the intolerance of religion. Wars propagated not by Christ, but by an unbelieving Pope 900 years ago. But they overlook conveniently the fact that most schools, hospitals, orphanages and universities in this nation and around the world were started by Christians. Slavery was abolished by Christians. Many charities today, from World Vision to the Salvos to Lily House to Compassion, all started by Christians. We come into this world to bring light and hope to the world. They're going to quote something that happened 900 years ago and use it against us now? I don't think so. I believe we have life and hope, don't you? The fourth lot who missed Christmas, amazingly, was the religious leaders. Now, this is really interesting. In Matthew 2, it says this. Uh, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired, Herod, <coughs> inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. So this group is quite shocking. The religious leaders missed the first Christmas. I mean, the innke innkeeper was busy doing stuff, and Herod was busy being powerful and nasty. He was a bad dude. But this, this third, these were the guys who should have known, but they missed Christmas. The religious leaders missed Christmas. <coughs> so Herod called together all the experts, the theologians, chief priests, the best teachers, with the best speaking skills, pastors, elders, seminary trained professors, with their PhDs and doctorates in ministry. And he said, where is the baby to be born? Do you know? And, and they said, oh, yes, because they knew Micah 5 verse 2, he will be born in Bethlehem. They knew where the Messiah was to be born, but the religious leaders missed the Messiah that day. Of all the people around, these guys should not have missed Christmas. But having a Messiah wasn't really a big deal to them. The religious leaders didn't care because they thought they were all right. We're the chosen people. We're the guys who were going to rule and reign. We're, we're the top dogs. They didn't care. They, they, in their own mind, they had a great heritage 
and they were wrapped up in their own pride and indifference and in their self-righteous system. They were God's chosen and that was enough. Even years later, what happened when they figured out who Jesus was? They attacked him. When they figured out who he was, they persecuted him and in the end they crucified him and nothing, it, it was that way right at the beginning. They just completely overlooked him. They didn't need him. You know, perhaps their ultimate crime against Christ is indifference. They had their own version of a Messiah, they just weren't interested. So since the time of Moses, they had taught <coughs> that there would be a Messiah. They longed and prayed for him. But the ones who knew, the ones who were intellectuals, the religious leaders, listen to this, did not even bother to walk 9.5 kilometers from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check it out. Less than 10 kilometers. And they couldn't even bother to make the journey. These guys knew more of the Old Testament than we, most of us would, except uh, Peter, of course. Um, but th they were worshipping the right God in the wrong way. Christmas, religious. Sometimes religious people are close, but they're not close enough. As Colin said this morning, it's not about religion. We're not here promoting religion. This is a relationship with a God who loves you. It's not religion. The fifth person or group of people who missed Jesus was the entire population of Judea. Only a few shepherds came to see the Messiah. And do you remember what they did? After, they, after encountering him joyfully, they told everybody around in the whole countryside of Judea about the birth of the Messiah. But even then, there is no record that anyone else, including the religious leaders, ever came to see Jesus. In John 1, it says this, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. Scholars believe that Jesus probably lived in Bethlehem for around two years. It was only after the Magi came and left that Joseph received instructions to flee to Egypt because they were killing all the babies. The religious leaders and local people, they had two years to walk 9.5 kilometers to see if it was the Messiah and they couldn't be bothered. The warning here is this. Don't get so religious that you miss the relationship. At Christmas time, don't just get so into the tradition that you miss the one who paid the price for you. The gospel is simple. The message that Jesus came with is simple. Christmas is about God giving the best of heaven for you. Christmas is God sending his son, Jesus, who, who ultimately would die in our place so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could come to God. It's the greatest gift that ever was. And Christmas is for, is for everyone. You know who didn't miss Christmas? The shepherds. They were just working folk. They sat out there doing their thing. They weren't fancy. They didn't have nice tablecloths and stuff. But they, missed, they didn't miss Christmas. It says in Luke chapter 2, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! For Isn't that weird? The whole... The whole sky explodes in light. There's huge angels everywhere. And what do they say? Fear not. Oh, okay. You know. But they said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For all of the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. You see, they were common people, but they didn't miss Christmas because their hearts were open. What about the Magi? They were smart guys. They were from another country, learned, wise, smart. And in Matthew, it says that after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star they had seen when it rose uh, went before them and it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They didn't miss Christmas. So it doesn't matter if you're a common guy, if, if you're just a, a normal person living your life, or if you're the smartest guy in the room. doesn't matter. Jesus is for everybody. He's God's gift to everybody. So why? After all this, why do so many miss Christmas? Why this year, with everything going on, is so, are so many people going to miss the meaning of Christmas? Well, let's look at the guys. Just recap and look at the guys there. Business, pride, indifference. You know, leaders like Caesar and Herod, they're doing their own thing and it's about their power base. People like the innkeeper, it's about their, their business. People like the religious leaders, it's about religion. They can't find any relationship. It's just about doing things in a certain way. Either they don't see it or they don't care. The average Aussie either doesn't know or doesn't care about Jesus this Christmas. If you ask the average Australian what's the meaning of Christmas, most will say family, presents, food, not me on oh, Santa, reindeer, reindeer. We don't even have reindeer. Most of them will say, it's about sleigh bells in the snow. It's going to be 35 degrees in Australia. Find me a sleigh bell, let alone a snow, uh, some snow. I got so excited. We were on holiday a few years ago, and uh, we came across, I kid you not, I took a photo. It was just amazing. It, it was a sleigh made for one horse, and it, it, it didn't have a top on it. And I went, it's a one-horse open sleigh. <laughs> Seriously, I couldn't believe it. There was no snow. They couldn't move it. If you just pull it along, it just scratches things. Um, but a one-horse open, the first time I'd ever seen it in my whole life. We sing songs about junk at Christmas time. Seriously. Don't we? There was a list of the most popular Christmas carols. And almost all of them weren't Christmas, traditional Christmas carols that we would recognize. Oh, come, let us adore him. And, you know, in excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. That's a, they weren't that. You know what they were? Classics like Frosty the Snowman in 35 degrees. Classics like I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus. Oh, that really builds your spirit up, doesn't it? No, seriously. It's so commercialized. And see, the thing is, most people will miss Christmas in all the noise that is around. All the junk that is associated with all the sales. And people are angry. Have you noticed people are angry these days? If you haven't, get in a car and get on the road and go to Maruchidor. Everybody's screaming at everybody about everything. My wife reckons when I get behind the wheel, I get possessed by something and it's not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that. But, but, you know, like there's so many people, people are so angry today. If you get on Facebook, which some of you might, 
There are so many, people will miss Christmas because so many of them are writing offensive comments about how much Christians have offended them. I would urge you, in the middle of all the stuff that is going on, do not miss the real meaning of Christmas. Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Christmas is a great opportunity for us to say, hey, there's more than just what you see around you. We worship a God who loves us. We worship a God who cares for us. Today, many people will miss Christmas, even in church, because they don't, you know, they don't realize their need for Christmas. They might have believed in Jesus. They might have eternal life. They maybe go to church. They observe traditions. But I want to urge you, in the middle of Christmas, take time out to realize it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. And I believe that God loves us. Do you believe that? I believe he wants to spend time with us. He gave us the greatest Christmas gift of all. And when we humble ourselves and seek to serve him as he humbled and served us, we will not miss Christmas. We know that what the time of year is, but I want to urge you this year, don't be busy like the innkeeper. Don't be religious like the religious guys. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, we're called to bring Christ into our workplace, into our homes. How can we do that if we're not looking at him? How can we do that if we get swamped by all of the stuff and the junk that goes on around? We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And finally, most importantly, we need to recognize our need for Jesus. You see, God looked at us and he knew that we were dead in our sins. He knew we were destined for hell. And everyone who doesn't know Jesus is destined for hell. I didn't say it. He said it. The Bible says it. <clears throat> but God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift of Christmas. And we won't miss Christmas when we keep our eyes focused on him. This Christmas, God's giving you the gift of his son. If you don't know Jesus, this is your moment because I believe his arms are outstretched. You want the greatest gift that ever there was? This is it. He can save you from the consequences of your sin. You can be forgiven if you ask him into your life right now. So would you bow your heads with me? If you've never asked Jesus into your life, then this is a great time to do it. Christmas is a perfect time to say, Lord, come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. So open your heart to him now. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it. Repeat these words after me. Together, you can ask Jesus into your life. If you haven't prayed this, maybe you did it years ago and you're not sure. Don't leave this room today without being sure that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. So say these words after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and for forgiving me of my sin. The greatest gift of all. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm just going to ask you wherever you are, just shoot your hand up very quickly and put it down. We're not going to do anything weird. Are there any more? 
to shoot your hand up if you prayed that prayer and put it down. Fantastic. I want you to continue in an attitude of prayer. So I want to share with you something that happened in my life some years ago. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time. And uh, I was in church one day and the Lord spoke to me. And I don't say that lightly. I could really sense his presence in my spirit. And he said to me, what are you going to give me for Christmas? And I thought, well, that's weird because normally I get the stuff for Christmas. But it's a great question, isn't it? What are you going to give the Lord for Christmas this year? I mean, what, what do you get God for Christmas? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you going to get him? A milking machine? I don't know. You know, what do you get God for Christmas? What can you give back to God? He gave everything for you. He gave the best of heaven, came to earth, laid his life down for your sin. What can you give him back? And he spoke three words to me. The words were white, hot, passion. You see, if you take a piece of metal and you, you heat it up, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and eventually changes color goes from a sort of an orange to a blue and then white hot is super hot it's the hottest it goes before it finishes <coughs> and God spoke to me and he said white hot passion and I want to encourage you today if you know Jesus as your Lord at Christmas time don't just float through it and say what a nice time why don't you give him something this Christmas why don't you get really on fire for him and give him a white hot passion not a red hot or a blue hot a white hot passion the hottest you can go when i said those words lord i i give you my white hot passion i give you this passion in my heart white hot my life changed and yours will too let's stand together